and uh, they confirmed that yeah you could probably do it but uh, they also said that uh, uh, nobody in the department had licensed a distillery in modern times so um, they would they would need a couple months to figure it out Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green, and we're in the midst of Whiskey Weeks. We've already had a few episodes. We talked with uh, Dan Kidd, Heavy Bourbon, to kick it all off. Chef Wita Mikkel, or Chef Wita Michael, uh, to talk about bourbon and restaurants. And then last week was a flight night with Barrel Bourbon and Stelma Spirits. And we're uh, here talking and drinking some more bourbon. We have Guy Ray Horst with us from Great Lakes Distillery here. He'll be joining us in a second. If you're watching, he's technically already here. Uh, but don't forget, Whiskey Weeks 2021 is presented by Knows Your Bourbon. That's right, Knows Your Bourbon. It's how you can learn to pick up those nuanced uh, smells, aromas, Everything uh, just gives you a little extra help. Uh, there's 18 uh, of the most commonly found aromas in bourbon in their original nosing kit. They even have an expansion pack. Uh, they also got a lot of other goodies. That's Nose Your Bourbon, N-O-S-E, like your nose. Uh, you can find them on Etsy or NoseYourBourbon.com. I highly recommend it. It's helped me out a whole lot as I have uh, dove into the deep end uh, with bourbon, and it's definitely made me uh, better at this. And like I said, we're in the midst of Whiskey Weeks, and we have Guy Rayhorst, the founder of Great Lakes Distillery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Guy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's really cool when I was kind of you know reading up and figuring out what what I wanted to ask you, just to see all the work that you put in, and what uh, one of the some of the work that you guys do is uh, what we're going to open and pop first is the uh, Still an Oak straight bourbon whiskey that comes in at 86 proof um want want to talk a little bit about it because i I got a nice little flavor there uh, right before we went on and i was uh pleasantly uh, impressed with it good good glad uh yeah so um our bourbon is uh not a traditional recipe we actually use a rather high malt content to it uh 22 malt um 11 rye and 67 percent corn so it's a little uh, little unusual in that regard. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're a young distillery. Uh, we've been around for 20 years, almost 20 years now. Uh, first distillery in Wisconsin. And we feel that just trying to make what others are already making doesn't make sense for us. So we try to do a little different uh, grain bill in every, every recipe we do. Uh, try to make our uh, spirits a little different. Well, I, I was gonna say I kind of got that right because, like I said, I didn't get that typical, what I call burn, from right off the get go. I got that nice, I guess it's from the malt. The little bit of honey on on yeah. the palate was 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 very um, pleasant. Um, yeah, it's kinda, <laughs> this is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> got a nice uh, nice long finish, and it's very a very uh, nice and slow and pleasant finish. To it. Yeah, no, and and it's a very it's it's kind of on the lighter side. Is that coming from the 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 grain bill you use and and i guess a little bit of the age as well yeah a little bit of the age as well it's a straight whiskey it's straight bourbon um which means it's got to be at least two years old and right now we're pushing around three years with most of it but uh trying to uh put some barrels away for even longer aging but it's tough because frankly it sells pretty fast as it is so it's uh (laughs) it's a it's a delicious little bourbon and uh, people are appreciating it 
Well, no. It, well, I was gonna say that's the only downside to any bourbon is it takes time to ma- matter what. And and if this is th- at three, you know, two to three years old, it's a, and I, I love the uniqueness. I think that's probably uh, what helps set you all apart is kind of that uniqueness, and and you crafted something your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talked about it. You've been around almost twenty years. You guys launched in two thousand four. Yeah. How difficult was it to launch in Wisconsin back then? Because uh, not everyone was thinking about it like they are today, um, right. and, and or have have uh, the clear path that you have kind of created for them that we'll talk a little bit about as well. Yeah, well, uh, it was um, uh, it was a bit of a challenge. We had uh, uh, when I called the Department of Revenue, who in Wisconsin regulates our alcohol, and I told them what I wanted to do. I don't even know if it could be done, and uh, they confirmed that yeah, you could probably do it, but. Uh, they also said that uh, uh, nobody in the department had licensed a distillery in modern times, so um, they would they would need a couple months to figure it out. So, um, and they did, fortunately, and uh, we were able to get producing as the first distillery operating in Wisconsin since Prohibition. I was gonna say, I, I, was that weird to hear that they're like, well, we <laughs> we we could do it, but we're not sure how to do it. Yeah, yeah. It was, but uh, also understandable. I mean, regulations being what they are, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, there, there's a, a prohibition through a, a big logjam into what you could and couldn't do, and and uh, they needed to, we need we both needed to figure out our way through that. So, well, and you kind of have this entrepreneurial spirit as well, and it seems like you're willing to tackle those, those um, obstacles because you. You um, were a founder of kind of what a high tech manufacturer before this. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, I owned. Uh, so what, what? Yeah, I owned the. I'll go for it. Owned and operated a, a, a optical disc manufacturing facility. So we we manufactured CDs, DVDs. In about 2002, I realized that the internet was getting faster and cheaper, and there may not be a lot of need for optical disc going forward. So uh, decided I should uh, probably. Uh, get out of it and figure something else out so and that something else uh, happened to be distilling well and, and i was reading too that i i guess was your first thought did it come over drinks at a, a place where you're kind of thinking oh maybe there's a, a reason why there's no distilleries and then you realize <laughs> no they just no one no one's done it no one took yeah. it <laughs> i uh, i often joke that uh sometimes um the the best way to start a business is to be ignorant and uh, <laughs> uh, certainly, we were certainly that. I mean, uh, we had no idea uh, what to expect. Um, I did. That, that story is true. I was sitting at a uh, restaurant and realized there were local beers, even local wines, but uh, there were no local spirits. And uh, in fact, you know, the closest spirits were from Kentucky, and it was pretty much bourbon, and everything else was coming out of Europe. And uh, thought to myself, huh, wonder, uh, wonder if that could be done lo- on a local basis, just like a craft brewery. And uh, this, that got me curious enough to start digging into it and discovered that, uh, yes, it could be done. There were not many doing it at that point. There were about 30 craft distilleries in the U.S., I think, in 2004. And uh, so I just, uh, like I said, plunged forward with a certain amount of uh, ignorance and uh, uh, Fortunately, came out on the other side where uh, we're still in business today. So. 
Well, and, and you and you, you kind of talk about it plunging forward. I mean, basically, you almost had a. If you're saying, if the analogy is you're going through the rainforest, you basically had to have your machete out to kind of clear the path because, yeah. like, you guys couldn't even do tastings. Like that was illegal. You couldn't sell technically. So how was it? You know, kind of launching a business with you know a, a good you know hand tied behind your back, but also <laughs> working to get it untied and, and truthfully end up helping more in the process as well. Sure. Sure. We, um, so when we started, uh, one of the first things I started working on uh, with the uh, state's wine industry, because a lot of them were interested in distilling, uh, but one of the things we were working on was trying to get tasting rooms permitted uh, for distilled spirits. Uh, it was not legal at the time. Uh, we could not sample our own spirits at our own facility. Um, spent uh, several years uh, working with them and uh, uh, eventually realized, well, I am kind of one of the only distillers. I think at that point we had two more, and, and they were also on board with the idea. Uh, so it took us about four years, though, to convince the legislature to change regulations so that we could actually sell our product in our distillery. Uh, when we did, um, it uh, permitted us to sell bottles um, by the glass in a drink and also uh, uh, samples for tastings so it was a it, it worked out good once we finally got it done it it's been a good law ever since i was gonna say and it's something that people you know nowadays it's second nature to have have that anywhere but that's not the way it was because like you mentioned prohibition yeah a lot of weird laws that hamstring a lot of people and yep. uh it's just a it's very interesting uh when you you dive into that side is that kind of what also got you interested in being part of the uh, distilled spirits council and the craft distillers advisory council because you were a m founding member of that yeah uh so yeah i mean we've over the years we've uh, uh i was very involved in efforts in wisconsin to get uh, besides the tasting room law changed but also uh, tastings in stores which we could not do prior um, there's been a few other things there's you know was an attempt to raise excise tax on us on the state level and with the help of uh, Discus, we were able to uh, able to uh, eventually uh, be victorious on all those fronts. So um, it's been definitely a uh, definitely a good thing to get involved with the industry, trade associations, trade groups. Um, you know, we wouldn't have done, been able to do it without them, frankly. Well, and I, I was going to say, especially when you think about the the tastings at you know liquor store, when you're a brand that in a sense is new the best way to usually win over people is to let them try it right and if you couldn't do that that's that's kind of a difficult sell to you know have people have blind faith when they know known the the big boys for forever right yeah what in uh I've, I've always said in the uh one of the ways i've been able to uh get legislators on our side is to point out that yeah we make a 30 dollar bottle of product 30 dollars up depending on the product and that's not an impulse buy. People are not going to just say, eh, I think I'll grab that bottle. I don't know what it is, but I'll grab it. You know, we really needed to uh, get uh, get it in their mouths, uh, let them see for themselves if they liked it. And uh, that's what's always sold our products. So it's very important to us. Well, and too, I, I know you're kind of on, on the uh, science committee as well. I'm guessing with your background as you know working in just industries that you have and then also you know kind of being a home brewer distiller and, mm -hmm. and so forth is that just your way to kind of make sure you're, you're giving back and 
and, and helping out everyone. I mean, what, what, what's, what's the thought process of continuing to kind of be on those type of committees? Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm no longer on the science committee. Uh, okay. I, I uh, <laughs> kind of ran out of time a couple of years ago on that and figured there would be some better people uh, serving on that committee. And uh, so, unfortunately, I'm not involved in that aspect anymore. But, uh, but still, you know, I'm, I'm here for people in the industry. Uh, and we and I get frankly get calls quite a bit from uh, other distilleries that are starting up other distilleries that are trying to see some of the things we've done and and want to know how to do them as well so well and, and I know for you all s sourcing locally is, is a big big thing that's kind of uh, one of the things that you guys hold near and dear uh, wh why is that and, and when you guys source locally it's pretty much everything and you guys make a the whole gamut of, of liquors as well yeah so um, we uh, we try to source everything uh, locally as much as possible um, you know we we uh, we live in this economy our local economy um, and our customers I think uh, uh, most of them get that and appreciate that uh, the fact that myself and my staff we we drink and dine in their establishments um, so we try to we try to keep it as local as possible uh, we are, uh, for example, the, the bourbon and the, our rye whiskey, uh, you know, our local ingredients, local grains. Um, so it's, it's always been important to us from day one. Ingredients we can't get here, um, we still buy locally. Uh, there's a wonderful company called The Spice House that supplies our gin ingredients, a lot of our gin ingredients. Um, you know, some of these things just don't grow in this part of the country or this part of the world even <laughs> that we use in our gin. And uh, so we, but we still source it through a local supplier. It's important to us. But, uh, and I was gonna say too, I'm, I'm guessing it's nice to not, one, you know where it's coming from, but two, are you able to work with them as well? Like if there's something you want planted or even just kind of getting to know, cause I know talking to folks, uh, you know, the seasons, if it's a rainy season, if yeah. it's a dry season, that impacts everything. So oh, yeah. I'm guessing having that local connection uh, helps you guys with with all, everything you do there. Absolutely, absolutely. So we uh, we've uh, we're very fortunate in that uh, Wisconsin, you know, grows every grain you need for a whiskey, and uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's fairly easy for us to source it here, and um, and uh, it's nice to you know think that we're supporting the farmer, we're supporting the company that's trucking it in, we're supporting the malt house, you know. I mean, just all of these. All of these uh, are a little uh, microcosm, right, within our own state, and uh, and uh, we really, you know, strive to continue to support them. So, I always joke, um, our orange liqueur, uh, we get the oranges from the orange groves near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, obviously not a real thing, but you know, sometimes people look at me for a moment and think, really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all the fun, and I, I think, do, did I read correctly that you, do you guys also do a pumpkin spirit? Is that right? Yeah, we do. So uh, we we started, uh, this year is uh, year 12. Um, we uh, work with a local brewery. Uh, Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee makes uh, what I think is the best pumpkin beer made in the country. It's actually a lager. Um, it's delicious. It's Thomas Jefferson's recipe. Um and uh, basically, so it's a they classic. Make, it's a classic. Oh yeah, they make they make a special batch for us every year, uh, and we distill that 
uh, put it in barrels. This year's batch, this is batch 12. Um, uh, in, uh, in Germany, it would be known as a beer schnapps. Uh, we tried to get approval from the uh, TTB to call it that, uh, and they wouldn't allow us to do that, but uh, for whatever reasons. I have since seen some beer schnapps on the market. So I don't know how some people <laughs> get that through and others don't, but it happens. Um, but uh, this lakefront uh, pumpkin lager is delicious, and it's, it's a pumpkin spice thing. It's got a lot of pumpkin spice to it. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, people look forward to it every fall. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge and makes an incredible old fashioned. Uh, but uh, we've been doing it for, like I said, for 12 years. And, um, and every year I swear it gets better and better. So this year uh, the barrels are all five and six year old barrels. So it's, it's really oh, wow. getting some nice age on it as well. Uh, well, I was gonna say that, that's pr pretty awesome too. And uh, I mean, is it fun to kind of, cause again, that's, you're working locally. You're, you're working, I'm guessing pumpkins come pretty local too, they, that they use or at least whatever they're using again. I mean, how nice is it to work even locally with a brewery on, on a fun right. project like that? Right. No, that's, it's awesome. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, probably the best known brewery in Milwaukee and, uh, they do some incredible stuff and, uh, we've been working with them for years on that and some other projects that we have going. Um, so there, it's a lot of fun. Well, and I also know sustainability is a big thing that, that you, you, you guys push. I mean, it even goes down to the fact that you all do almost everything in small batches. Mm -hmm. um, can, can you talk a little bit about the sustainability and, and how, how that works for y'all and how that impacts everything you guys uh, pretty much do? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of that is, again, locally sourcing. Um, in fact, the grains, many of the grains that we use in our whiskey, we do uh, our... Uh, Still an oak rye, for example, is 100% rye. Uh, it's actually organic grain. We don't have an organic certification at the distillery, so we don't put that on the label, but um, the fact of the matter is it's, it's organically grown near Dodgeville, Wisconsin. Uh, we use a, uh, a mill uh, about 20 miles from our distillery to uh, mill that for us. Um, it's, uh, you know, we source our bottles are currently sourced in the U.S. have been for many years. Uh, one of the few bottle plants that's in the U.S. Um, you know, you look at you look at the path and the shipping of product in this country of just about any product, and you know, you might be talking about bottles from China. You might be talking about grain from uh, the Dakotas, and you know, being distilled and. God knows where, you know, I mean, it, you know, you can, <laughs> before you know it, you're, you're transporting stuff all over the place and, uh, it's not real, uh, sustainable. Um, uh, we, uh, we also offer, uh, one of the, uh, to my knowledge, only bottle reuse programs in the country. Uh, we literally oh. buy our bottles back from our customers, both, uh, uh, bars, retailers and, uh, consumers. So, um, we actually give you know our our uh, our bar customers uh, retailers uh, half a buck a bottle. We buy them back. We pick them up. Uh, we clean them. We reuse them. Um, doesn't get much more sustainable than that. I mean, the fact of the matter is, even recycling glass takes a ridiculous amount of energy. And uh, for us to be able to do this uh, and still make it work for us um, somewhat profitably uh, and to ensure that we have a continued uh, 
supply of glass, which right now is a really important thing and a lot of places are having trouble with that, um, really makes it worthwhile and, and has proven uh, that it's a good program. I was going to say, that to me sounds really cool. Did you ever get like a sideways look when you're like, hey, we want to buy our bottles back? Because I mean, <laughs> not every, no one, does, I mean, people don't do that typically. Right. You, you right. know, they, they might be able to, you know, reuse them in the sense of creating something different from them, sure. but to have the, the person go, hey, I'll buy that back from you. Yep. I, I feel like that might have got a little sideways look, almost like the uh, oranges in Sheboygan. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, almost a disbelief at first. What? You'll buy empty bottles from us? Absolutely, we will. Uh, <laughs> they definitely, uh, yeah, that we get a little of that sideways look, but uh, once we explain the program to them, um, it works out very well. And uh, we've got, we've got many customers that have been doing it for many years now, and you know, some customers are still trying to reach and, and, you know, talk about that program because, you know, they're frankly, you know, buying bottles of vodka from Europe that uh, when you think about that whole path of that transportation path and how much energy that wastes and, you know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, hey, maybe you ought to think about this option. So, um, plus we, you know, help offset the cost of the product by buying the bottle back. So. It's a it's a win win for both of us. Well, and, and I guess too, my, my my next question is is, you know, obviously it, it's helpful to you all, but it's it. I think long term though, I mean that's a big investment from y'all to to do something like that. I mean, when you when you really think about the larger impact, I mean, sure. I know it was a conscious decision, but I mean, sometimes those are easier said than done. Yeah. I mean, was it difficult to pull off kind of the whole whole package? It was. I mean, I initially contacted uh, our State Department of Revenue that regulates alcohol here uh, because uh, the regulations I saw for the state said that bottles had to be smashed or labels defaced. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, hey, I said, I'm a little concerned about this. We'd like to start this program. We think it would be good for, uh, good for us, good for our customers, good for the state in general. And, um, and we were greeted with, oh, yeah, no, you can do that. There's a there's a little tiny sub-chapter that says that if you're, you know, maintaining bottles for uh, for reuse purposes that you can go ahead and do it. So uh, we were fortunate that way. We did have to also get uh, permission from the TTB, um, the uh, federal regulators. Uh, bottles is one of the things they use as an audit trail. Uh, they can tell by how many bottles you've bought you know, and how much you shipped out, whether you're being honest or not, you know, with, with your numbers. So we had to get special permission from the feds as well on that. I was going to say, it's always interesting to see the uh, amount of uh, kind of red tape that comes along with with, with anything in alcohol. And it, it, like yeah. I said, it always kind of amazes me. Um, you guys do a, a lot of different liquors, spirits, um, mm -hmm. you know, from the gin to the liqueurs. I mean, yep. we talked about the pumpkin spirit. How is it balancing all of those? Because obviously some, a, you know, once they're done, they're kind of ready to go. Yeah. Bourbon's not that way. But, you right. know, how, how do you kind of balance all of that in, 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 at once? Well, I always, uh, my, my <laughs> for the last year, I probably look at all the SKUs that we have available, and I'm like, oh, God, we have, you know, way too many products. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to balance because the fact of the matter is, you know, our our time and our dollars, we can only market so much. 
and what do you devote those dollars to what products and you know when you try and spread that across i mean like right now if you went in my tasting room you'd probably see 26 different products on our shelf that we're selling and um, it's uh it's uh any anybody uh, with some business business savvy would probably say you're nuts <laughs> you know that's that's way too many um and i'd agree with them uh, <laughs> we just have too many uh but you know, part of this business, uh, part of the beauty of being small is we can do some very small batch things that uh, the big guys can't. Um, we make a ridiculous number of fruit brandies. They don't sell tremendously, but they taste delicious. And there's a few people that are onto that and they'll come in looking for what we have um, and uh, want to try different things. Um, so when that happens, uh, you know, it's it's kind of rewarding, and it's like, oh, cool, somebody gets this. <laughs> so it may only be five people, you know, that get the brandy thing, but you know, compared to thousands of people that get the bourbon thing, but uh, but it's uh, uh, it's still satisfying, and, and frankly, my staff enjoys coming up with these new things, and uh, and really, you know, uh, they really get off on you know seeing what's going to happen and how it's going to work out, and so we have we have some. Uh, great products in our line and um, we have uh, you know our uh, pretty much typically any base spirit bourbon rye we have a blended whiskey we do uh, we do some uh, liqueurs uh, we do a coffee liqueur with a local roaster um, that uh, is tremendous we use their cold brew and uh, basically produce this coffee liqueur uh, we do an orange liqueur um, on the Wisconsin end of that, we do a cranberry liqueur and a Door County cherry liqueur as well. And they're delicious, they're natural, they're using, you know, real fruit in them. Um, and it's, there's just nothing else like that out there. And they've been selling really well. Uh, I was going to say, it's got, that, that is the one's beauty of being a, a craft distiller is you're nimble. You can be nimble and basically you're your own boss. You don't got to go way up and... Uh, you, I mean, you literally are the boss. So, I mean, if you, if you want to do something, you, you guys can go, hey, we're doing it. Uh, another one that I found interesting was the bottled and bond gin. Yeah. Like, how did that come about? Like, I feel like that's just, you were like, hey, wait, we can do this? And you yeah. did it. That's pretty much it. Uh, we were uh, we were producing a uh, barrel reserve gin for a very long time because we could not say barrel aged gin. That was... Uh, the TTB would not allow that label because um, they didn't recognize gin as a product that was barrel aged. But if we called it barrel reserve, <laughs> they were okay with that. So we produced that for a very long time, uh, and that's been very popular, and it's pretty freaking delicious. And uh, we had some stock that was getting up near four years old when the TTB last spring announced that, oh, guess what? We're now going to allow barrel-aged gins, and we're also going to allow uh, the term bottled and bond to not just be used for whiskey, but be able to be used for other products as well. So, um, so uh, uh, I think my uh, my, my uh, on-staff marketing guy Ross said, uh, "Ooh, oh, we got to come out with the first <laughs> bottled and bond gin in America." And, so we did. <laughs> we applied for that. Uh, we applied for that label and uh, received it, and I think came out with it like within a week of when the uh, feds legalized the whole bottle and bond for gin. 
was gonna say, I mean, that that's got to be cool. I mean, that's got to be fun to fun to have that. I mean, that's a, a thing that you can tell everyone. I mean, yeah. people like it. I mean, it's not a, it's not just a made up story. It's a good story and it's a true story. Right. Like, I mean, that's a great starting conversation point. Yeah, yeah. We we try to do that. We uh, we did that with absinthe too. We were. I think we ended up being about the third distillery in the U.S. Uh, to produce absinthe uh, after the ban was lifted in 2007. Um, we were uh, our biggest problem was getting uh, our label approved. Uh, the government was being very particular in what they were going to allow. They didn't want any label that implied, you know, some sort of hallucinatory, uh, you know, uh, side effect. Which. Uh, I mean, part of our marketing is to dispel the myths of absinthe, and there is no hallucinatory <laughs> side effect unless you drink too much, in which case it's just yeah. an alcohol side <laughs> effect. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, too, when you have you know this these types of products, you mentioned the kind of the cherry liqueur, the orange liqueur, yep. gin, everything. That leads perfectly to making some cocktails, and, and I'm guessing that's something that you all enjoy and have probably enjoyed seeing the trend of people doing that more often as well. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly a big part of our uh, our marketing. Uh, we have a tasting room. Um, it's open seven days a week. We do tours seven days a week, and uh, a big part of that is the cocktail menu that we have in the tasting room. It gives people an opportunity to try any of our spirits in in a uh, cocktail suggested by our staff. Uh, we have a ridiculously well-trained staff. All, my, all our bartenders in the tasting room also do tours, so they're very knowledgeable on our processes. Um, but, uh, but they can, you know, if you come in and you say, eh, I'm looking for a cocktail, maybe something a little bitter, you know, got this character to it, they can generally come up with something pretty quick and, uh, and they do a really, really good job of it. Well, and, and two, I feel like when you have the tasting room and you have a knowledgeable staff like that, I think some, you know, as I've learned with, with cocktails, you know, we do a cocktail quickie here every week. I uh, try to keep it pretty simple because, yeah. you know, it's not like all of us are, are the, the, the experts. But, right. you know, w when you can break down those barriers and show them what you can do with a liqueur and, mm -hmm. you know, or a gin and, and, and show them and go, hey, it's not that difficult. Yeah. That's got to be rewarding in, a, in and of itself as well. Absolutely, and and our our philosophy is always um, keep it simple. You know, uh, one of my favorite cocktails is our whiskey with a little of our orange liqueur in it and some bitters. I mean, it's incredibly good, incredibly simple. Um, you know, there's there's uh, uh, one part of uh, the industry that you know wants to push um, cocktails that are very complex. Um, but the fact of the matter, how many bars have the time, you know, to produce a six ingredient cocktail, you know, um, mm -hmm. you can make some incredibly good stuff with two or three products. Um, hell, whiskey and ice cubes work great for me. So, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's lots of, uh, you know, we, we try to, um, our customer base appreciates simplicity. Uh, I think consumers do too. I mean, it's fun to watch. Uh, a bartender make a uh, incredibly complex cocktail but guess what when that one's done and you got to wait another 15 minutes to get the next you know it <laughs> it it, uh, <laughs> yeah. it gets a to be an uncomfortable wait so we we try to uh, our uh, you know we offer training to our bar customers um, for their staff and uh, we're always we're always about simplicity 
and just you know tasting the spirit yeah well and and i'm guessing too obviously with the pandemic things change everything i'm, I'm sure that hurt bar sales because yeah. i'm sure that made up a decent part of the business mm-hmm. um but at the same time it offers that other side the at home bar i mean what what have you seen you know being in business for 20 almost 20 years now i mean has how have things changed in that time well you know people have have definitely the the cocktail culture has definitely caught hold of a lot of people um distilled spirits continue to grow every year uh they're taking essentially taking market share from wine and and beer to some extent uh because there's frankly so much you can do with spirits um it's not a one-trick pony you know you can um you can do, uh, you know, an endless amount of uh, mixology to create an incredible cocktail. Um, the latest trend, of course, uh, being seltzers. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it, it's interesting when you look at the stats. It's not so much taking market share from spirits either. It's taking market share from beer. So people are mm-hmm. are uh, are interested in. Uh, these seltzers because it's a it's a transition you know and that's how I look at it people are going from drinking beer to oh I can get something with you know a little mix of flavors in it um, that I couldn't get in beer and uh, frankly I think you know it's setting them up to be our customers in the future as well so uh, there's just so much more you can do with spirits well, and, and folks, if you want, we I even did a seltzer-based cocktail. I've done a couple. Yeah. Did one with whiskey. It was yeah. weird, but it was it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> hey, my um, my uh, yeah. my favorite uh, cocktails drink, like I said, are very simple. I love uh, seltzer with like our citrus honey vodka. It's just naturally flavored and ridiculously low uh, low calorie, zero carbs. You know, it's just a, it's it's you know, and when you compare that to a can of something. Um, the calorie count isn't even close. I mean, you can you can make ridiculously low calorie, uh, low zero carb cocktails that taste incredible, and they're natural. You know, they they use fruit in them. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I was thinking that the other day, literally, like a seltzer is just a liqueur, yeah, very watered down liqueur, but it, yeah. it's, it's it's got it's it, it's a spirit in a sense. You know, it's got juice, fruit juice, it, it, it tastes good yeah. to some, not all. But um, yeah. I also wanted to ask you this because I know when you kind of got into this, you know, you did some home brew. I don't think everyone loved yeah. the home brew or the home <laughs> distilled, <laughs> <laughs> if I remember yeah. reading correctly. Uh, right. do, you, do you still ever get to do that or have they pretty much forbidden you from touching any of the equipment there? <laughs> No, I'm I'm still allowed. I actually spend more time on a test still uh, doing experiments uh, than on than on these guys behind me. Um, uh, you know, they'll push me out of the way and say, "Get out of the way! We got to make something real here. Come on!" <laughs> uh, but I do get to play with the uh, test still and uh, uh, work on work on some interesting things. So, uh, and I do that when I get some free time. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do that as much. But yeah, as I was gonna say, when the the little bit that that you do get, I'm sure, because yeah. I'm sure uh, with everything going on these days, you're you're a very busy guy. Uh, with that said, kind of what what's next for for y'all? I mean, like we're you know, if someone's interested, I mean, in uh, you know, the the Great Lakes Distillery, obviously they can come visit y'all in, in, yeah. in Milwaukee. But where yep. can they get it, and 
how, you know, and then obviously what's the future hold? Yeah, well, our, uh, our products are right now only available in Wisconsin. There was a time we were in 26 states. Um, the, uh, unfortunately, the distribution of alcohol in this country uh, is not very helpful to small producers. Um, we, uh, we kind of decided after several years of some national distribution that we weren't making any more money and we were working our asses off and said, screw it, let's just pull it back to Wisconsin. So we're only available in Wisconsin now and uh, uh, future, you know, uh, honestly doesn't really have any distribution outside of Wisconsin on it. Um, you know, there's two things that I hope happen. One. Uh, the ability to do uh, direct ship, uh, which would be tremendous to small producers such as ourselves. Um, and then just, again, expanding our production line. We'd love to do some Amaros. We've been working on some for several years. We're just not ready to bottle them yet. And uh, that's what the future holds for us. Well, and then for you, because obviously, I mean, you've started one company, you've done another now. Um, are, are you getting the itch again, or, or are, are you pretty satisfied with, with Great Lakes and all, all the different challenges that it poses? I, I uh, this is the best job I've ever had in my life. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, the neat thing is, um, you know, if I'm ever having a rough day or, or feeling a little down, I just walk out in our tasting room and there's people out there having a great time, and they're like, oh my God, these spirits are great, you know, and it's it's. It's a huge ego boost, and it keeps me going. So after you know 17 years of this, I'm I'm really still very happy, and go home with a smile on my face every night. Well, I was gonna say that that's key, and and you know just the still and oak that that we've you know tasted kind of throughout. Um, if they're all like this, I can see why everyone's got a smile on their face. And as I tell people, I said this last episode, I'm not just saying that because you're on here. Mm-hmm. I mean that it, it's a really unique. Uh, flavor profile you know kind of you, you like you guys said you, you do a unique recipe and yeah. um i you know I, I can't you know wait to see see what else you guys do well i mean i know you guys do a lot of stuff i can't wait for myself to see that yeah. at, at some point in time because like i said it was it was very very enjoyable yeah thank you appreciate it and, and we appreciate you guy uh, remember, follow us on all of our social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. We're also on YouTube. Uh, and you can check us out at hopspirits.com. Okay.